So let's do this. Let's suppose for a moment uh, you got a trip coming up. Okay, fun trip, all right? You get to choose a fun trip, maybe with fall break, uh, uh, just a couple of weeks away. The good news is money isn't an issue, all right? So you can do whatever you want. How many of you, all right, if you had a choice, are thinking a warm, sunny beach, all right? Get your, get your hands up in the air if that's you, all right? How many of you are thinking the mountains? You know, you gotta get outdoors, all right? You enjoy something like that. So we're kind of we're split on that for, the, for those of you that participated. Uh, now, how are you gonna get there, all right? Think about this. Uh, again, money's not an object. And so if you get to choose, how many of you are going by plane, all right, to that destination, all right, all the plane people in the room, how many of you are driving? You're, there's no way you're getting on a plane for anything. Again, kind of split on that one. I'll tell you what, I'm flying all the time, all right? Any chance I get, I'm getting on an airplane, and sure, I don't mind a little drive once in a while, but if I got an opportunity to go to North Carolina or Florida or something, and I can go by plane, I'm flying every time, but as much as I enjoy and appreciate something like flying, I get why some of you drive as well, all right? I, there's always a little bit of nerve involved, all right? Anytime I ever get on an airplane, and, and you know that flying can be a hassle in addition to be a little frightening too, because when you think about it, it's a long way up. All right, that's why some of you don't fly, all right? It's a long way up because it's certainly a long ways down as well. And with flying, you know, you sacrifice a lot of control and responsibility to people you've never met before. They're just assuming got A's in all of their classes. Uh, and things like turbulence, all right? Turbulence can kind of throw you, you know, throw you for a loop and uh, it'll mess with you. And sometimes there's no warning with something like turbulence. Other times they'll let you know it's coming and you know the drill. The pilot gets on the loudspeaker, ladies and gentlemen, this is the captain speaking. It looks like things are gonna get a little bumpy for a while and so we're gonna turn on the fasten seatbelt light and we're gonna ask you to remain in your seats. And if you don't love flying or if you don't do it often, you're wondering to your yourself, should I send a final text message? Like, is there something I need to do right now because it's all coming to an end? We've been studying through uh, Jesus' final conversation with his disciples in the Gospel of John. And I'll tell you what, the more I read it, the more it feels like Jesus is preparing his followers uh, for the challenges of living out their faith in him as Jesus knows it's going to get a little bumpy. All right, he's, he's warning his disciples that it's going to get a little turbulent for you. And I can't help but wonder how many of you might be feeling that way about your life here this morning. Because maybe your marriage is a little bumpy right now. Uh, there's some turbulence in it. Maybe uh, it's the challenges of adulting, you know, and just growing up fast and having to deal with things you've never had to deal with before. Uh, maybe for some of you today, the turbulence has everything to do with the rising costs of things, things at the grocery store. And so it's starting to impact you in, in some ways. Or, or not only is school hard, but, but maybe living out your faith around friends and peers is challenging. Perhaps you're doing everything you can right now to follow and to be a model uh, of Jesus at, at work. And let's just say, as we talked about last week, you're starting to notice some resistance. You're, you're noticing some pushback from, from others. We're, we're gonna be in John 16 today, uh, if you've got a Bible and you wanna follow along with us. And what we're gonna see is that while Jesus uh, is preparing his followers for a way of life that's gonna get a little bumpy, let's not forget that his promise, he promised to send a helper. 
He keeps promising his disciples, there's one who's coming, there's a helper, someone who is coming that will guide you, comfort you, and even defend you every step of the way. And so uh, John 16, just a quick review of where we've been these last few weeks. Jesus and his disciples have been in the upper room where they celebrated this last supper together. Jesus had washed their feet. Again, they shared this final meal. Now they are likely on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus talks to them about what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower for him in this world, and how they're going to face tough times and they're going to experience persecution. We looked at these words last week from John chapter 16, beginning in verse one, where Jesus told them, he said to his disciples, all this I've told you so that you won't fall away. He says, they're going to, they're going to put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. He continues, they, they will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. Jesus says, it's gonna get a little bumpy, all right? It's gonna get a little turbulent. Like, but what good teacher wouldn't warn them? I mean, they've gone through so much together. Jesus has taught them so much. He loves them. He's demonstrated that over and over again. And as a result, these men had grown to put their faith in him as God's promised Messiah, but now they find themselves in this deeply emotional conversation as Jesus warns them about what's to come, and the bad news seems to continue for them, be continuing into verse 5. John 16, verse 5, Jesus says, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. And so not only does Jesus warn them about these growing threats against their lives, he tells them that he's about to depart, that he's about to leave. Like this had to leave them feeling a little confused, a little overwhelmed by what Jesus was sharing. And in verse six, Jesus acknowledges their feelings by saying, you are filled with grief because I've said these things. And what he says next in verse seven had to come as a real shock to them because here's what he said. He says, very truly I tell you, it's actually for your good that I am going away. Jesus says, it is better for you. It is for your good that I am going to leave you. Think about this. They've spent the last three and a half years together. They've made it this far with Jesus only to hear him say, hey guys, it's about to get a little bumpy, all right? People are gonna wanna kill you, and I'm sorry to say this, but I'm not going to be there to help, but don't worry, it's actually to your advantage that I'm going away. Imagine the captain of the airplane announcing, ladies and gentlemen, it's gonna get a little bumpy, but please excuse me, I'll be in the lavatory, all right, while all of it's taking place. Like, no way, right? Like, you better be sitting there, you know, at the controls for the disciples. Like, how is this a good thing? How is this a better thing that Jesus is leaving? Like, you know the disciples must be thinking, Jesus, like, we need you right now. I mean, if there was ever a time, if there was ever a moment, like, it's right now. Jesus goes on to explain in verse 7. He says, very truly again, it's for your good that I'm going away because unless I go away, notice this word, the advocate will not come to you but if I go, I will send him to you. This word advocate, who's that, all right? Why is this better for me? 
Well, again, John 16 is a part of a long conversation that started all the way back in chapter 13. Remember, this isn't the first time that Jesus has made this reference, has mentioned the advocate to his disciples. In fact, if you flip back, if you've got your Bibles to chapter 14 for just a moment. Uh, John chapter 14, uh, beginning in verse 15, Jesus had this to say about the advocate. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. And then he continues, he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, there's the word again, advocate, to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The word advocate comes from the Greek word, we've talked about this, the Greek word paraclete. All right, it, it means someone that comes alongside of you. In fact, you see this word translated in a number of different ways uh, in these verses of John, depending on the uh, version of the Bible that you read. You might read comforter, helper, counselor. It's uh, someone that serves as an advisor, a legal defender, a mediator, or an inter- intercessor. One, one, one person says that's a legal term this advocate for someone who stands next to you in a court of law, and it carries with it this idea of someone that serves as a mediator or an intercessor on your behalf. But but there's another Greek word that I want you to pay attention to in verse 15. We read it just a moment ago. Let's look at it again. John chapter 14, verse 15. He says again, "I I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. This word another, it, it literally means another of the same kind or just like the first. This is huge. All right, this is big news, whether the disciples are, are ready to see it yet or not. Like these guys, again, are reeling from Jesus' admission that he's not going to be with them much longer, but in the same breath, Jesus promises something better. He says, you've been with me physically but there's actually something better that's coming, all right? Another advocate, Jesus said, another helper. And what does Jesus say? Look at the very end here, verse 17. He says, this, this other will live with you and will be in you. And if you look at the beginning of verse 17, he tells us who this advocate is. He says he is the spirit of truth, a.k.a. this is the Holy Spirit of God. This is the very presence of God himself, which is something we as Christians, unfortunately, and I've been guilty of this, we've grown pretty accustomed to. Oh, cool. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God in me. That's kind of neat. Like, what a great thing. For these disciples... The promise of the presence of God in your life was beyond comprehension. Because up to this time in history, the Holy Spirit only came upon certain people for certain assignments for a specific period of time. People like Moses in the Old Testament and Gideon and David and others. But now Jesus promises the gift of the Holy Spirit for anyone who puts their faith and their trust in him. And the promise of the Holy Spirit is one thing, but what Jesus wants them and wants us to realize is that there are many benefits to the Holy Spirit in your life, the Holy Spirit with you. And so in the same conversation where Jesus breaks the news about what's coming, he also takes the time to explain to them what this is going to mean for their lives and why it indeed is to their advantage. And what Jesus says to these disciples He's making these same promises of the Holy Spirit to you and me too. We we need to read them 
as Jesus' words for us, as Jesus' encouragement for us. These are for anyone who has put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. In verse 17, again, he says, he lives with you and he will be in you. Here's what's cool about that. And I wanna just outline some promises that we find in these last few chapters of John, some of them that we've already looked at together. And then the verses that we're focusing on today are just five promises that Jesus has been making about the Holy Spirit and what it means for our life. We're gonna work through these kind of quickly, but let's look at the first one together. The first promise that Jesus makes about the Holy Spirit is that Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would empower his followers. All right, that he will empower his people. He's uh, like the energy behind a power tool, all right, that's fully charged. He's the espresso in your veins, right? On a Monday morning when you're just starting your week, like the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying, brings power and energy to your life. Like he's the one that can help us through our days and our weeks. He has a way, the Holy Spirit does, of making God real to us. And Jesus promised to this disciples, to those who have trusted, Christ is that the work of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is alive and that the Holy Spirit can work in and through you and me, even Jesus. If you consider Jesus in his humanity was limited by his physical presence, but by the power of the Holy Spirit working through him was capable of so much more. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit is like life for you and me. Uh, he is like power available to each of us. He's the, the power to do the things that you and I could never do on our own. He, he's the power that you need to get through that meeting that's coming up this week that you're not sure you can do by yourself. Like he's the, the courage that we need to help us take on a new role or in a new, new assignment. He's the, the courage that we need to go through those things that we don't want to go through by ourselves. Like Jesus may not be with us in the same physical way that he was with his disciples, but what he is saying is that this scenario is actually better. It's actually greater that he is in us, that the power of the Holy Spirit, for those of you that have trusted your faith to Jesus Christ, his spirit, his presence is in you. But that's not all because Jesus made another promise about the whole role of the Holy Spirit a few verses later in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 25. He says, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, all right, the paraclete, the counselor, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And so we kind of see a two-part promise here, that Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would continue to teach us and that the Holy Spirit can remind us of the things of God. If you've ever played a sport before, all right, you know the important role a really good coach uh, plays for the team, from, from practice to the field to the court. Like a good coach is there to teach. Uh, a good coach is there to instruct uh, and remind. If you've ever been involved with, with band or theater, like you've experienced the benefits of a great instructor. There's always teaching. There's always uh, encouraging and direction. Like a great coach or instructor, the Holy Spirit teaches us. Uh, part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to instruct us. When we spend time in our Bibles, when we participate in things like worship, uh, he helps us recall uh, and apply the word of God when we need it the most. Some good friends of ours just spent the last 40 days praying for our family. 
Uh, they made this commitment that they just they were going to take 40 days to pray for my family. It was an incredible gift. It was so thoughtful. And every day they sent us a text message uh, with a Bible verse that they had been praying and reading for us. Their, their prayers were incredibly thoughtful and encouraging. But what's even more is how the Holy Spirit used those words on any given day to teach and remind us of who God is and what he's like. John 15, Jesus made a third promise of the Holy Spirit. We're just skipping through these. Verse 26, he says, When the advocate comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, here's the next promise, he will testify about me, and you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So the third promise here is that Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would, would strengthen, would testify uh, our witness for him. I, I think it's fair to say that none of us wants to suffer for our faith, right? That's probably a pretty true statement. Uh, none of us wants to go through unnecessary pain or suffering. I know that I certainly don't want to live a life of fear. Jesus knew his disciples were going to suffer. And as Steve discussed last week, while we may or may not endure the realities of persecution in our lives here in the United States, I'm confident that we are uh, and we will face a growing resistance, you know, to anything that's of Christ. It's already started, you know. And so we as Christians are, are going to face difficult times for our faith. But the good news is that the same way that, that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to his disciples, like he promises the same Holy Spirit and all of his benefits for you and me too. And one of the benefits of the Holy Spirit, as Jesus points out here, is his strength in us, his courage in us when we, when we don't have the words, you know, when we're not sure what to do next. I, I think about people like Stephen in the New Testament book of Acts. He was martyred for his faith in God. And in Acts chapter 7 and 8, you can read these words for yourself. He, he, it, it describes his faith and his courage even as his persecutors were about to take his life. It's been said that in the moments before ISIS has killed so many men and women and children who declare faith in Jesus, that these victims speak with boldness and they speak with, with courage a noticeable boldness and courage. Like that's the work of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promises, strengthening the words and the convictions of Jesus' followers. And I just can't help but think if the Holy Spirit is capable of supplying words like that in such desperate moments like these, like imagine what he can do for you and me. Like imagine what he can do for us in the next difficult moment that you have, in the next difficult conversation that's coming up for you. He can strengthen you with wisdom and perseverance so that you can keep living faithfully for him. So we have these promises of, that Jesus made about the Holy Spirit in John 14 and 15. The fourth is in chapter 16, our text for today. Uh, because in verse seven, Jesus said, but very truly I tell you that it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Verse eight, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about things like sin and righteousness and judgment. And so the fourth promise that Jesus makes of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit will prove the world to be wrong, to prove to the world about the difference between right and wrong. Remember when I said earlier that the paraclete is this legal term 
that describes someone who stands at a court of law to come to your defense to strengthen your case. Well, in this fourth promise here, the Holy Spirit transitions from, you could say, more of a, a defense attorney defending his followers to serving more as a prosecuting attorney, someone who will expose the world's sin and our desperate need for Jesus. And I was just thinking about, okay, what's that mean for me today? And here's what I believe the Lord led you to, and maybe some of you will find encouragement in this as well. Jesus is the only one who can change someone's heart and life. All right? You, you can't do that. I can't do that. There's no song we could choose on a Sunday. There's no perfect sermon that anyone could preach here. And so he is the only one that can change hearts and lives. And so that just means that if you've got somebody you're praying for, if you've got somebody that you keep investing in and doing life with, someone that you're uh, sharing your life with, maybe having an opportunity to share your story, somebody that you're holding out hope that one day they might budge, all right? That they, one day they might just come a little bit closer to Jesus. The good news is that their lack of decision or their decision, it's not on you. It's not on me. Your job, my job, be faithful, your job, my job, is to keep modeling Jesus, to love people well, to always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have, to talk about what Jesus has done for you and what he's doing in your life, to pray for people, and, and don't be afraid to tell the truth about what Jesus means to you. But when it comes to changing someone's heart and life, that's on Jesus. That's on the Holy Spirit. Like you and I don't have to carry that burden and that responsibility. We read in verse eight again, it says, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about things like sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin, because Jesus said, because people do not believe in me, about righteousness, he says, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And verse 11, he says, and about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. He's talking about Satan here. But again, what I want us to take away is that heart changes on him. You and I are called to be faithful and then to keep trusting the Holy Spirit to do what only the Holy Spirit can do. And so let me just encourage you today by saying, would you just keep doing your part here in this Noblesville community? Wherever you go and whatever you do as a student in one of our schools and amongst your peers as men and women who say, I want to follow Jesus with my life. Like we need to keep doing our part as a church God wants to use Genesis to bring light and hope and the message of Jesus to this community and to this world and, and to be people who trust the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. That's four. I said there's five. One more before we wrap. One more promise about the Holy Spirit is found in verses 12 and 13. Jesus says, I've got a lot more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all the truth. He will not only speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. The fifth promise that Jesus makes about the Holy Spirit is that Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would guide his followers into all truth. See, according to Jesus, one of the roles the Holy Spirit will play going forward is to provide new teachings and revelations about Jesus that the disciples had not yet heard. In fact, if you look back at verse 12 for a moment, Jesus basically admits that his teaching to the disciples is incomplete. Here's what he says. He says, I've got much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But again, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you 
into all the truth. Jesus says to his disciples, all right, put yourself in their shoes 2,000 years ago. I have much more to teach you, but you're not ready for it yet. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he will continue to reveal things about me. But he also encourages them by letting them know that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit will be to guide you into all the truth. So here's what I think we take away. On the one hand, this promise has been fulfilled because even after Jesus, the Holy Spirit inspired people like the Apostle Paul with writings that make up the rest of the New Testament. But on the other hand, the Spirit continues to lead Jesus' followers into all truth by leading us, not only the disciples, but leading us through our days and our moments and by continually shaping our character and our lives as we surrender our will to him. And so again, what I just take away from this is just the confidence of knowing that no matter how difficult or complicated it might get, because it's getting a little complicated out there, right? Jesus is not afraid. God's not losing his mind. Watching the world spin out of control, no, he's a sovereign God. And he's got a plan for your life and a plan for mine in this world, and he has given us the gift of his presence. I, I, I dare to say that I'm not sure how much we realize the Holy Spirit, the, the potential that the Holy Spirit can work in your life and mine the more and more we surrender our lives and ourselves to Jesus. He's given us the gift of his presence, his Holy Spirit, the one who will guide us and direct us and lead us wherever we go. He'll do that for your marriage. Like if, you, if your faith and trust is in Jesus Christ, you've got the very presence of God in you. He can guide you through this season of your marriage. Uh, he, can, he can guide you through this season with your family right now or uh, your pain or your anxiety. Uh, he is the one that can guide us in our future because he cares. He is able and, is, and he has a plan. And, and I want to keep trusting that he's got a great plan for our church, that he wants to use this church in ways that are beyond, beyond what we could imagine or hope for. Will we trust him? Will we trust the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit? Five promises that we see of Jesus of the Holy Spirit. Whose lives? The disciples for sure. All right, he's sharing with them. They've put their faith and trust in Christ, but as of John 16, they don't have the Holy Spirit yet. That's not going to happen until Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. It's a little more than 50 days from this conversation with Jesus. But while Jesus is talking to his disciples, his words are for us too. But the better news for those of us is that we don't have to wait. Because if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, you have God's presence. You have the very Holy Spirit in your life right now, which is amazing when you think about it that you and I can have the very presence of God in us and to think, no matter the mess I make of my life, as a follower of Jesus, like God wants to be in me. I mean, really, the whole story of the Bible, the whole story of creation from the Garden of Eden to God rescuing his people in Egypt to putting his presence in the tabernacle and in places like the temple to Jesus and now the Holy Spirit, each is an example of God's desire to get to as close to you and me as possible so that he can empower us and strengthen us and lead us. And that's what's true for you. That's what's true no matter what's going on in your life right now. If you, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God is in you by choice. Uh, he's made himself available to you. He is your advocate. 
He is and can be your helper. He loves you. And maybe part of the reason why he's bringing you here today is not just to bring a greater awareness to your life, but that you might truly see that you're not alone, that you don't have to go through this alone, and all of his promises are available to you. And what part do we play in this as followers of Jesus? How do we tap into the power that's been made available to us by God? Jesus said it. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. The only way we tap into the power of the Holy Spirit is by remaining and abiding in Jesus. And this is how Jesus and the Holy Spirit work together in our lives. We receive the gift and the power of the Spirit when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit helps us grow in our faith and in our trust of the Lord. And here's something else. Abiding in Jesus doesn't mean that we work harder by trying to be a better person, reading the Bible more, or learning to pray longer to earn God's love. That's not how it works. No, abiding in Jesus is learning to rest in his love and his promises so that the Holy Spirit can work in us and shape us to be more and more like him. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you can celebrate the fact that the Holy Spirit is in you and he is at work and available to you each and every day. And if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, today can be your day because God gave himself, he gave his son who gave his life for you and he offers his life and Holy Spirit to each of us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all of these promises that you sent a son, Jesus, who gave his life so that we could have life, that you demonstrate over and over again your desire to be as close to us as possible. And you gave us your presence to think that we could be closer to you than if we were physically present with Jesus today. And it's just an invitation that just keeps saying, keep coming, keep abiding. Trust in me, I have everything you need. Father, will you put that word in our heart this morning that you have everything that we need and your invitation, your words are just remain connected, keep abiding. Lord, we trust you and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.